0: nicely. there was a passage in the Bible that told you how to set up your microphone before you speak in public. I can't find it there anyway. So, thank you to the musicians and singers again this morning. Some churches that we go to, they have a band and everything, all the biggest, latest equipment. And you can't hear a single voice because the music is so overpowering. And it's beautifully done, but it's just uh, not really corporate worship. And it's amazing. Every time I come here, uh, as soon as the first line of the first song is something, how can we have such glorious sound for such a smallish number of people? So, congratulations to everybody. It's, it's just beautiful. And uh, thank you for that. And, Brenton, your voice always surprises me when I hear it as a singing voice. It's uh, sort of sound, like a speaking voice, somehow, but it's beautiful. And, uh, did I miss something yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, <clears throat> last week we talked about uh, um, Colossians chapter 3, the first few verses, and we're going to, one of the things with the control, now I had it, it must be down there somewhere. Pick up my phone, but that wasn't going to do the job, was <laughs> So, we're going to talk on this topic this morning, dress your best. Dress your best. well, so, where does that come from? Well, it comes from this passage in Colossians chapter 3. And if you have your phone or your Bible with you, of course, you can check there and make sure we get it right. But here it is from the English Standard Version. Put on there, and before I go any further... The word that Paul uses there for put on uh, is uh, exactly the word you would use for putting on your clothes. It just, means, it just means exactly, just simply put on, but it's used in the context here to get dressed, to clothe Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive. And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. do so we you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, as we come to the Word today, please give us sharp minds to understand and soft hearts to believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to begin by just picking up the thing we had from last week, simply know who you are. And at last week, remember how the Apostle said how we have been put to death with Christ, we've been buried, we've been raised again into the newness of life. And he follows that same thing, it takes a bit differently this time. Once again, he tells us that what is always comes before what it ought to be. And so who we are comes before what we do, putting it in more simple terms. And that becomes very clear as we go along here in this passage. So he says, there, and the first thing he says, as God's chosen ones. In other words, you are chosen. This is uh, one of the great and wonderful truths from the New Testament of who we actually are. We are chosen by God. And uh, that's um, uh, there's been a lot of debate about that because people say, well, what about free will, what about this, what about that, but I'm not going to go into that so this morning. That's a big and exciting subject. And what well, is exciting today that God has chosen you and chosen me? And I don't know about you, but sometimes in my in my more somber moments when I look at my own life, I think, God, you chose me? You know, I think of all the people I know who are so much more talented and have such better voices and have got better this and better that, and, and why not me? And it's, uh, it's just. One of the wonders of God's grace and love that He He chooses us. We are chosen by Him. And it's, it's nothing to do with our merit or our deserving. It's just that He simply does that. We have a little, little bit of an issue going on in our family life at the moment because we have twelve grandchildren and my wife in, in her will is trying to work out who could she can give what she can give to who have twelve grandchildren. Because his great grandchildren coming along as well. And uh, it's just not possible to give everybody the same sort of thing. And so uh, I was interested in yesterday as we were discussing this with our son and his wife, uh, Vanessa 67, well, I said, Well, it was my choice that she did something. It's my choice. She gave a certain bit of jewelry to a certain grandchild. It's my choice. I thought, Well, that's how it is. It's just God's choice. It just happens. To see in this particular grandchild, a particular need, she thought, I choose to address that need. And that's, that's how it is with God. He just loves us. He chooses us. We are chosen. I think sometimes in our darkest moments, in moments of uh, most uh, self-condemnation or despair, sometimes we never well, even so. Even so. Chosen. Chosen by God. Amen doesn't mean you're chosen necessarily to be a world hero. Just chosen, that's all. Just chosen to belong to God. So, first of all, it says we are God's chosen ones. The next thing, uh, it says we, you are holy. Put on there as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And, and again, when people get this wrong, people think that holiness is something we have to achieve for ourselves. Not so. But God is the one who makes us holy. Because the word essentially means to be made separate, to be separated from the things of the world, and separated from sin, and separated from ungodliness, and all those things. It's God who does that through Christ. In chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says that Christ is made unto us, among other things, holiness and sanctification. He is the one who does it. And of course, naturally, as we're going to see, there's a response for that. But it begins by saying, this is what God has done. And once again, it's, a, it's in the Greek language, has in English, it's a past tense, it has been done. It's not something that is, we have to keep on hoping for in the future. God has chosen us, and he's made us holy. And that's uh, that's how it is. we have been separated from the things of the world, from the things of darkness, from the things of the devil, and we're holding God's side, God's through Jesus. We've, we've celebrated that already this morning in the Lord's supper. This morning we have um, we, um, we've talked in is, uh, and met us in, in is the whole idea of all the things that Jesus had done for us. And that's what we celebrate as we come to communion. So yeah, it's not what we do for him what he has done for us. Our work for him is always inadequate. His work for us is always more than adequate. There's a big difference between the two. And so many people get that wrong. The third thing said, is here uh, is that we are a love. And uh, this is a special kind of love, we'll come back to it a bit later on, but essentially it, it's unconditional love. Another way to it, it is anyway love. I love you anyway. You may have really been mucked up this week, but I love you anyway. You may, uh, you may be ugly, but I love you anyway. I try not to look at anybody when I said that one. Um, uh, 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 you may be skinny, I love you anyway. You love me th- I love you anyway. You may be. Very intelligent, I love you anyway. You may be an idiot, I love you anyway. But that's, that's God's love. It's, it's, it, does, it says it doesn't matter. Hmm. It's not always easy for us to replicate that. We'll say more about that later on, perhaps. But those three things that, that God uh, has chosen us, that He's made us holy, and He loves us. And we are His beloved ones. So, I thought before we went any further with that particular thought, we might have a look at an old hymn that I'm sure most of you have heard or I know sometime or other. Jesus loves me, this I know, for so the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. So we're going sing that, I think. How many people know it already? Yeah, most people do. Okay. And we really can't sing this like Sitting down, we have to sit here standing up. Let so, me stand up again. You can sit. It's all soft. You want to put that somewhere? Oh. Are you ready? Do you want That's what I'm saying. song, um, little ones they be along with, little child come in. But I think in our hearts and minds we have to have that kind of attitude about ourselves sometimes, that we come to him as children, as little children who are, have nothing to offer. You know, kids, they've got nothing to contribute but if little is more they, they can't do very much, it's of any value in adult terms, but you love them as parents, God loves us as his children. Now when we come to the verse, Yes, Jesus loves me. I think it would good we could get a bit excited about this today. So I want to ask you, when we sing it. When you get the word yes, you, you do something and you go, yes! Or you say, yes! Or whatever natural for you, some sort of thing. But I want you to, want to really hear that now. Yes! Jesus loves me. Yes! Alright, okay. <coughs> Clear throats. Okay, I'm going to sing verse 1 and verse 3. Just those two verses. And at the end, you need to watch me because I'm going to slow it down at the end. Okay, first one. Jesus loves me this I know know. For the Bible tells me so Little ones to give me love Let it Are you ready now? Come on down. Yes, Jesus loves me Come on, hear again. Yes, Jesus loves me One more time now. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. He will stay close beside me. simple truth that we need to get hold of that in the best way we possibly can. Alright now. So remember how the apostle says uh, because you're chosen, because you're holy, because you're loved then he says put on them. Put on. In other words, be dressed in your best. Now I preached on this passage in an African church in Sydney on occasion, so I had this slide especially prepared for an African congregation. I thought, and I was going to change it, and I thought, actually, she looks pretty good. So, dress in your best. And uh, I was just thinking, how we dress actually uh, always has a message in it, how we dress. So uh, I remember a pastor friend of mine many years ago. Uh, even when he went to the beach, he used to wear a suit and tie. And I remember sitting on the beach life with my kids, and there's this pastor a bit further down the beach, black trousers, white shirt, black tie, black jacket. <laughs> sitting on the beach, black shoes. And um, I've got, there's a message there somewhere. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what it is, but... <laughs> I think he was saying, you know, I'm, uh, I'm so holy and righteous, you know, I've got a dress, you know, well, <laughs> It was, anyway. Um, I think another time when we used to have a little shop out in the Gill, which we didn't really. There's a whole story behind why we were there, and we used to go down to Clarendon down here in the hills on, uh, and, and get a whole lot of country baked bread, which we just sell on Sundays. And the, uh, uh, in those days, it was illegal for the big bakeries to bake in the city on Sundays. And so then you could get fresh bread go to the country and bring it back. I remember a representative of the Tip Top uh, Bread Company came in to see me. I see us one evening Mm -hmm. about 7 o'clock at night after um, normal business hours. And he wanted to discuss uh, this matter that we were selling, this country bread, this bit of bread. And he had this big discussion. But he came in dressed in overalls. And I could not believe that he was actually a Tip Top representative because his voice was saying, I'm here from Tiptop and so on, but his overalls were saying, I've just been fixing my car. <laughs> I've just been working in the car or something. But there was a message in it he was dressed, that said it was contrary to who he actually was. Um, and then the little thing is like, uh, I remember I, uh, going to a lecture at the university when I was there as a youngster, and Sir Mark Oliphant was invited to come and, and bring in a dress. You know, he was a scientist, uh, he was governor of South Australia, and while he was speaking, and I was sitting near the front, he, his, the bottom of his trouser leg was tucked into his sock. It wasn't supposed to be, it just was. Um, and the only thing I remember about that address that night is what I just told you. <laughs> his trouser leg was tucked into his sock. So how we dress does have an impact. And so if you want to speak at a youth meeting, you don't usually go in a suit and On the other hand, if you want to speak um, to a or go to an event at the Parliament House or something. You would wear a suit, and tie. Your dress is—it conveys a message. And I must confess, sometimes in churches I go to, and I see young people on the stage and they've got holes in their jeans and they've got thongs. Sometimes I mean, holes in the wrong place, I mean. And, you know, and I think, what is that saying? No, I don't really know what they think it's saying. I suppose they're saying, well, it doesn't matter how you dress, God loves you anyway. But to me, I think they're saying, I don't really think much of you people's right of dress that way, like. And no, I, I don't know. But I think we need to think about how we dress. Which leads me to the big thing here, So, is how we dress spiritually. But before that, and you'll see why I'm doing this, I wonder if you can tell me today whose dress here... one of the children or One of the adults. Whose dress here today actually stands out? And there's really, really... really you need to look around at this. Whose who's dress, whose dress who really stands out today? Yeah, okay and There's someone right down here, let's see Amelia Amelia, yes. Amelia can you stand up? Nah I'm you can not put a there. You have to be pretty good to beat that, won't you? There we are, Yeah, very good Amelia, you look really beautiful <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got two counts. Okay, any of them in? Any strange chance? Might be. No, I don't think so. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. <No>. <laughs> oh. Stand up, please. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Right. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so now, uh, the big the point about all this is that the boss on here was saying that we need to put on different sorts of clothes. In other words, not just physical clothing, but clothing also, which conveys a message. And so, this is put on there as God's chosen oneself and beloved, and there's seven things. Okay? Because you were chosen and so on. So, but okay, before that, before we come to the seven things, compassion hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing of one another, well, I think mean, it's to say that the word put on in Greek text is, it means put on once for all. Now you wouldn't normally dress like that. If, if any of us came here today dressed in the same clothes we had last Sunday, we'd never change in the meantime. Uh, most of us would think, wow, well, it would not be good. But this is different. These spiritual clothes... Not time to clap yet. Clap when I finish? These spiritual clothes, once we put them on, they stay on. Stay on. It's not something we put on today and take off tomorrow. They stay on. We tend to that be on all the time. So it's, uh, it's an imperative. And it tells us this is what she uh, should. Put these things on. So because of what God has done, God has called us, made us holy, loves us because of that, therefore we then do this. So the indiginic becomes the imperative. The, what we are, we become what we should be. So we have these uh, seven things here, six things I think, that we, we should do. Alright, so let's look at them just quickly one by one. first one is compassion of hearts. Well, now that is a, a uh, genteel, um, modern English translation. Um, what the Greek text actually says quite literally is, put on bowels of mercy. Now we look at that and think, what? There's another place in one of the four letters the where he says, I love you all with the bowels of Jesus. And we say, What? What do you mean? And of course, on the modern foundations don't say that anymore. Because, um, uh, I mean, can you imagine Faye and Philip are falling in love? And you go out one night and the moon's shining, there's a beautiful starry night, and Philip looks into your eyes and he says, Oh, Faye, I love you with all my bowels. <laughs> <laughs> what would you think about <laughs> yeah. but in actual fact that's probably true because where it's, it's, we say I'm loving yeah. um, says, oh, I, I love you all my heart and Paul says I love you with the bowels and we say well my heart goes out to you but in actual fact the heart doesn't have that sort of feeling the heart feels that it's different you, if you have heart problems you feel a bit. it's the way you feel emotion and compassion is down here in what we call the viscera, the kidney area, the the bowel area. And so the New Testament writers, I just told it as as it is. But what it means is deep, seated feeling. It means that a compassion that really touches you. I was walking uh, home from, uh, or walking rather to the railway station from the mission where I taught and uh, preached in Sydney to the railway station. And uh, as I walked into a department store just on the corner of Big W store, just across from the station, uh, I saw they chocolates out in special. So I went in and I bought two chocolate bars, two dollars fifty each. Uh, two hundred grand bars it was pretty good. And I paid my five dollars, got these chocolate bars, and then I remember that as I walked in to the shop, seated on the footpath outside, was an Aboriginal with a banjo, trying to get some money by just strumming his banjo. And I suddenly felt this deep, deep sense of pain in my, my tummy and my powers. I thought, I've just spent five dollars on something I didn't need. And he's a man who probably needed that five dollars a lot more than I did. And I began really to feel for him. And so, motivated and compassion, I raced back out to the front of the store and he'd gone. And I walked right around the shop in the corner. I couldn't find him here. And I, I, I was really upset that I'd just missed on this... Silly little thing of just not being sensitive about it. And Paul would say, "Put on, hell, put on the compassionate heart." Because the problem was then that because I knew I couldn't really, I shouldn't have really had that chocolate, I couldn't eat it. And so I took it home. And every time people came to visit, I said, "Would you like chocolate?" "Like that chocolate?" And it took ages, it took weeks and weeks to get rid of that chocolate. And there was. So I had a, had a chocolate fast then for several weeks before I could get eat any, because I, I, I couldn't eat that one, that long. And I couldn't throw it away, that would have put no value on it. So I learned a lesson there about compassion. Just being compassionate about people who are in need. So Paul says, put that on It's part of your clothing. Put on compassion, put on hearts of compassion. Right, the second thing he says is kindness. Now you all know that Jesus is, is called the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the early Roman writers, writing a report for his superior governor, uh, was trying to describe who Christians were, and he said, Christians worship uh, Jesus Christos. And he spelt the word Christ with an E as it is on the screen there. And what he said was that really, see, Christos means anointed one. What he said was that uh, Christians worship Jesus Christos, Jesus the kind one. He was wrong, yet he was right. He was wrong because it was Christos. He was wrong because Jesus is the kind one. And so being a father of Jesus used to be kind as he was. And kind is a hard word to define, really. Uh, I, I think it probably means something like gentleness in practice, or goodness in practice, perhaps. Um, something like that. But, but that's simple term, just doing nice things to people. Just being helpful to people. Being kind to those around who will benefit if we Treat them nicely and treat them, treat them kindly and treat them well. So he says, put on kindness. Okay, and then next one, put on humility or humbleness of mind, one translation puts it. And humility, of course, is another big one. So if we're going to be putting on the clothing of the Spirit, then uh, humility is going to be part of that. You've all heard about, I think, the guy who one was given a medal for being the most humble person in his church. And then they had to take it away from him because he insisted on wearing it. <laughs> Wasn't that bad, was it? <laughs> but, but humility, it doesn't draw attention to itself. It doesn't seek praise or recognition. It's none of that. It's simply getting about doing things without looking for that just doing it. And it doesn't mean boasting about it in any sense. Uh, it doesn't say, well, I'm just a humble like But I, you know, forget me, I'm a humble sailor. Just do it. <laughs> you don't have to explain. When humility explains itself, it's that not going to be humble. It's lost it's, its true quality. So put on humility. Okay, I've got to keep going here. And so then the next one is put on gentleness. Um, so this is consider how I think, if we think about gentleness, probably we tend to think of it as more of a maternal or feminine quality. And yet after many, many years, we, we introduce uh, a work of congregation, or meeting, by saying ladies and gentlemen. And suppose uh, gentleness then is a quality for male as well as female. I remember as a little five-year-old saying a prayer that my mother taught me, gentle Jesus. Meek and mild, I went later on, it wasn't always gentle, meek and mild, but <laughs> as far as I was concerned, he was saying. and then, uh, and, uh, pity my simplicity, what's the next line, I forget, I didn't understand it, I knew, knew idea, but I thought I was saying pity, pity mice and plesity. what mys was and what plesity was, I had no idea, but I said it anyway, yeah. in my simplicity. Uh, the, the, the gentleness, gentleness, quality of Jesus, and also uh, a quality that we put on in our lives. So we deal with people with gentleness. I think I mentioned last week that there are, in our society there are lots of groups who are protesting about this and that, and many of them no doubt feel they have a good cause. I'm sure they do. I'm sure many of them think that they're fighting for a righteous cause. They, they think they're doing a good thing. But so often there's a lack of gentleness about it. It's so often abusive and, and almost, and sometimes violent, and it doesn't bear the marks of the Savior. And we're we're, we're gentleness is a quality of His life, quality of our life. All right, and then His patience. Didn't we go that far. When I get back, His yeah. patience. I put the Greek word there for that. Again, just because of maybe native, just the first part of the word macro, we have that in English. It comes in lots of English words. And what does it mean? they long, stretched out, you know, big. And thymia comes from the word for suffering, As so, a macrothymia is quite literally long suffering. And it's quite literally what it means. Be willing to suffer for a long time, if necessary, and uh, just to put up with it. That's just simply, you can't put it any, that's just simply what the word means. And so, if we're going to put on um, this word, uh, what we put it there is just patience. Uh, Long suffering would be quite the literal translation. There's another word for patience which means perseverance, but that's a different word. But this word just means simply long suffering. Um, and uh, the trouble with this one is that sometimes you don't have any choice about it. Things <laughs> just come And uh, you just have to sometimes just put up with it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm talking to the right people I that. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, but, but seriously, uh, a lot of people put up with long suffering because you just have to. And so, but this word means that you can deal with it either way. You can either get very angry about it or you can be peaceful, trusting about it. And uh, how, how we react in that sort of situation is, is a very significant thing. How do we deal with, with suffering? How do we deal with pain and disappointment? Um, how do we deal when things don't work out? No, I don't won't be too specific there because people have all sorts of different issues, but um, while we love to call out to God for healing and for deliverance or freedom, um, and that He often does, sometimes we, we are calling you simply just to put up with it, just to hang in and just keep going, and, and not let it stop us, not let us hold us down, not let us force us back, we simply say, well, I don't like it, It's not what I would have chosen. It's not the kind of deal I expected life to give me. And and I would love God to deliver me, but if he doesn't, well, I'll put up with it. So we we learn that God helps us in suffering sometimes by delivering it from us, from it, sometimes by simply helping us through it. And you get either choice, either option. Happens. And, you know, I mean, for me, the choice is obvious. Lord, deliver me. Full stop, it's to the better. But it's not always obvious to him, it seems. Or rather, there's things that he knows that we don't. And so sometimes God can do more through suffering than he does through deliverance. And at the end of the day, there's a simple acceptance of macruth in the and just simply putting up with it. And then similar to that is the word forbearance. Which also means putting up, but well, this time it's putting up with other people, rather <laughs> than our own issues. So, the forbearance means just that bear in with one another, he says in the text. Bearing with one another. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Um, I mean, that's an essential thing, actually. Uh, if we say we, we, we love one another, but we never see one another, well, how do we know? love has to have an object of love to be meaningful and so forbearance means that even though people oh us, we just put up with it. We, we bear with each other, we accept one another and all our weaknesses, all of our failings, and all of our faults and their annoying habits and all the rest of it, we put up with each other, forbearance ok, so let's uh, just look here four questions I want to ask question one and, um, oh, just, just, let me just go back and up. Um, this morning I was going to t- wear a jacket, and so I had two jackets there, and I was going to ask my wife, which one should I wear? And then I went outside the other, and the other one which was too warm, so I didn't want to <laughs> wearing a jacket. And so I asked her, which looks best? So the first question there for you today is, which of these looks best on you? Looking at those six qualities, is it six? Mm, two, three, yeah, six, five. Which one of those works best for you? you don't have to answer out loud, by the way. Uh, but think about yourself, Okay, which, which one of those? Uh, am, I, am I doing well with? Oh, I can't do much else now, but, so there's the question. And it's worth thinking about. Which one really is working for you? Okay? So, is it compassion heart? Is it kindness? Is it humility, is it meekness, is it patience, is it forbearance? Which of those can you say, yeah, I think I've... I can put that on. You need to be realistic. I'm not saying, are you always forbearing, are you always patient? We all have our weak spots just as well. You wear a garment that sometimes you get a stain or something. But which looks best on you? Which of these? Which leads on to the next question. Which which of these are you not wearing? Which one have you taken off again? Now, I hope you haven't taken them all off, that means you've been naked. (laughs) But seriously, which which ones have we not wearing? Hopefully none, but it could be. be There are some that really are not in good shape. Which ones are those have we taken off? Um, Maybe it was only for a little while you put it back on again, but there's a time you lost your temper, a time you became impatient. Well, you are no longer meek, or humble, or kind. Um, yeah, which one? Which one of those? All right, number three, which of these is in need of repair? Now, that's probably a very meaningful question. Which of these could we, could we fix up? And look at the young lady in the picture there. So, um, she's got a few things on her forehead that could be fixed up. Can you see what they have? Well, she a patch there, for so But if you look at her sleeves, her sleeves has being torn off, shorter than that one. But that's being sort of patched up as best you can. She um, seems like something down here at the bottom of right, her apron. but she's got a few things there that you're fixing. So if we could give a name to each of those things, you might say, well, uh, you know, that represents, uh, the, the middle knee represents compassion, and maybe kindness was by her hands, but you do actually kindness. Maybe the uh, represents humility, which is very humble yeah. So, but they're all, all still in need of repentance. God but they need to be fixed up. When we look at our lives, we might say, "Well, okay, which things in our lives are do we have that could be fixed up, could be made better than they are? Could we be more long-suffering? Could we be more patient? Could we be kinder? Could we be more humble?" So, just things worth thinking about there. Remember, and we we can be because we're chosen by God, we're made holy by God. We are loved by God. So because of all that, then we can do these things. And then the fourth question is, what other colours are you wearing? Yeah. <laughs> what other clothes are you wearing? And in earlier in this chapter, in verse 5, he says, and put to death, therefore, what earth refers to, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, which and idolatry. Yeah? But to death, those things. So in other words, if you're wearing them, take them off. You don't need them. It's like an overcoat in summer. You're not like a they form the best suit when sitting on the beach. The things you don't need, get rid of them. Take them. Don't throw them away. Get rid of things that you don't have any cause for in your life anymore. Haven't got time to go through all those today, but I think they're pretty well spent for themselves. So, and Paul says very simply, just put to death, therefore. He doesn't even just say, take them off. He says, kill them expression of expression. So it's put on compassion hearts and kindness and gentleness and so on, but put to death those other things. It's almost like they're not even clothes, more like they yeah, um, lice or yeah, insects or something that's in, the, in your clothing you need to need to clean out and get rid of. Alright. So then the big one verse thirty burying one another, we have said that, and so on. And then forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. Forgive as Jesus forgave. And that's a a really big one. And we need to think about this because I think lack of forgiveness is one of the things that does enormous harm in relationships. And I I won't say which part of my family, but in our family network, there's one older person who uh, had a very difficult upbringing, and she has never forgiven her father, for, um, even though he did his best. Never again. And she's now in her 80s and she's so bitter. And you can't get near her, she just won't listen. She's so very bitter and so very sad because bitterness is just dominating her life. And and she just cannot forgive. Cannot forgive. Names, somebody else all the time. And we, we find that all over the place where people are constantly blaming everybody else. <coughs> and sure the things that happen and uh, they're not prepared to forgive. So, forgiveness is, is a big thing. <coughs> I've put another Greek word there I'm sorry about that but you don't have to know that to get to heaven. But it might be of interest uh, because you all know the word charismatic, no doubt. And you can see the first part of this word has the word charis in it. And there's a whole group of words like that. There's charis, which means grace that we sang about this morning. Beautiful grace. There's, charis, there's kara, which means joy. And, and then there's charisma, which means gift. And then there's charisma, which means forgive. They're all related giving and generosity and grace. They're all mixed up together. They have the same common root there. So forgiveness means showing grace towards other people. You know, going far more than we'd be expected. Than we expect to be necessary. There's actually another word for for forgive in the New Testament. They're both translated as forgive in English, but the other one has quite different meaning. Uh, but this one is the one that's probably the most commonly used uh, all the way through the New Testament. And it's the same word that's used about God's forgiveness, that God forgives us and of grace toward us in a beautiful, forgiving way. There are um, all sorts of uh, illustrations run the pictures, I suppose. Um, I want to show you a picture on the screen. Now, you may remember that black and white picture at the top. It's uh, the story of a young young lady in Vietnam. In 1972, that little nine-year-old girl you can see there was outside of her home in her village in Vietnam when she saw an aeroplane getting closer and closer and then the plane dropped four bombs and then, she says, I saw a fire everywhere around me, all over my body, especially my left arm. My clothes had been burned off by the fire. There's was no environment fact. She said, I still remember my thoughts at that moment. I would be ugly, and people would treat me in a different way. Um, I lost my consciousness. Several days after, I realised I was in hospital. I spent 14 months and had 17 operations. Like a nine-year-old girl a horrific experience. It was a very difficult time for me, she says. When I went home from the hospital, our house was destroyed. And not only had she been personally you know, burned so badly, the house destroyed, and uh, we just survived day by day. Although I suffered from pain, she said, itching and headaches all the time, the long hospital stay made me dream to become a doctor. But my, clothes were cut, my studies were cut short by the global government They wanted me as a symbol of the state. So I couldn't go to school anymore. They wanted to use it. The anger made me, uh, it was like a hatred as high as a mountain. I hated my life, I hated people who were normal because I wasn't normal. I wanted to die many times. Then she said, I've got my daytime in the library to read a lot of religious books to find a purpose. One of the books I read was the Holy Bible. in Christmas 1982, by this stage she's 19, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal saviour and was an amazing, it was an amazing turning point in my life. God helped me to learn to forgive the most difficult of all lessons. It didn't happen in a day, it wasn't easy but I finally got it. Forgiveness made me free from hatred. I think I've got this one on the screen. Um, yeah, forgiveness made me free from hatred. I still have many scars she says in my body and severe pain most days but my heart is cleansed. That arm is very powerful, but faith, forgiveness, and love are much more powerful. We would not have more at all if everyone could learn how to live in true love, hope, and forgiveness. And just so a remarkable story of a young woman who had every reason you could imagine for being bitter and being full of hate and full of anger, but yet through Jesus she finds forgiveness. And so that's what Paul says in his list of things we should put on. Because this is the, this is number seven now we giving one another. And yet, there's one more. And this is the finish, this one. This is above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We come back to where we started with unconditional love. But uh, God loves us with unconditional love and then he calls us to love each other with that same unconditional love. And that's, uh, it's not easy, not easy to do that. especially when people really hurt you, and things really far around. It's, it's so easy to find reasons not to love, to find reasons to be angry, to be bitter. But he says, A above all, put on love. It's a capé, unconditional love. And it was lovely to sing earlier on, Jesus loves me, you know, great of his love. But then his love is an unchanging one. And now he says to us, Now no, you, you love one another. You love one another. You love one another. And no, that's the challenge we have. and the uh, calling we've And I'm thinking of the young Vietnamese girl, how she said that everybody forgave and everybody loved. There'd be no war. And you have to say, well, if in Australian society now, people really did accept the love of Jesus and began to show his love through our society. There's so much busyness and anger around at the moment in some quarters. You think, oh, why can't people just love each other? Why can't they just forgive Because they don't know. We as a nation have basically turned our back on the gospel, and so we have people now trying to do it all in other ways. But if people, people only believed, and imagine if everybody got dressed in the way that Paul talks about here today that we all dressed like that. and our lives were marked by forgiveness, and hope, and love, and kindness, and gentleness. These were the qualities. I think we would all agree that what a different society would be. So. What we can do is say, well, we might not all be military leaders or political leaders or entertainers or media personalities. We might not have the opportunity to do those things. But the one thing we tend to do as individuals is simply get dressed in the best way we can. And as a local church, the same thing. And I think people coming here, if they would come, would certainly find a sense of those qualities, they would find love and acceptance and forbearance here, which is how you know, it should be, but it is as it happens. I, I remember as a kid being in a local church where uh, I, they may be a junior deacon at the age of 16, so I went to my first church members meeting, and I was shocked. You see, guys up and shouting at each other across the room. And I, just, and I thought, what? And I guess I just was simple enough to believe the Bible. <laughs> you don't do that, but you love each other. And here's these senior people in the church shouting at these two men, and there's big barney at the church meeting. I thought, oh my goodness, what is this? And uh, then later on, many years later in Sydney, we had an incident where we had to act discipline. With with discipline on one of our leaders, and there was a lot of concern about that. And again, we had a special members meeting, and some of the men, one of the guys stood up, he swore at me. I didn't even know who he was. I don't think he ever came to church, but he heard there was a members meeting, so he came. And he got sworn in at a members meeting. But where's the gospel? Where's, where's Jesus in all this? And uh, enough of that, you know. Of what, but in, this, in our congregation here, I know we all love to see many more people here and so on, but primarily the first importance is that we reflect Jesus in the way we live, that we address our best in spiritual terms. And the people coming here will see that this is a place where they will find kindness and help and patience and all those wonderful things. How's that? Is that all right? Talking to the right people? Okay. Why don't we pray? So Father, we thank you for this wonderful passage of Scripture, the great truth it contains. And Lord, we, we pray today that as we've considered these beautiful things, that in, in our congregation here, Lord, we will just see them grow more and more in personal lives, and in personal relationships. Lord, that we will see the wonderful grace of Jesus. And uh, folks, while I'm praying, can I just uh, ask you one thing? just, um, Would you like to just look in your own heart right now? Has the Holy Spirit been saying anything to you about forgiveness, for example? Uh, is there resentment in your heart? Is there bitterness? Is there anger? Uh, is there malice towards other people? Can I ask you, if you've got those things that you say, Yeah, I'm going to get rid of those. Turn the love of God on the calling I have because He's called me. I don't want those anymore. So if God's, God's Holy Spirit is talking to your heart now, now would be a great time just to say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'm willing for you to take those things away. And if for forgiveness means for you, approaching somebody with an apology, or if it means just changing your behavior or whatever, then resolve today that you'll do that. That you'll do it. So Father, in Jesus' name I pray this word from your holy book would challenge us all today and that we would truly dress our best for Jesus. Amen.